Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. The good things and the bad things are part of the same thing. And as soon as you accept that and you just be, and if you're doing something that is true to who you are, then it will all be fine. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Ed Lees. Ed's the co-founder of Wild Farm. Wild Farmed was founded in 2018 by Andy Cato, George Lamb, and Ed Lees with the aim of fixing the planet by fixing food. Their methods prioritise soil health and leaving it rich for future harvests. Ed joins us today to tell us about his journey, share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Ed. It's great to have you with us. Hi, Amy. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. So can you tell everybody a little bit about Wild Farm and what it stands for and what you're working towards? Yeah, I will. Well, Wild Farm is a long and brilliant story that's outside the scope of this interview. So I would uh, I would recommend everybody um, Googles it and has a little read about what we're about mm-hmm. um, or how we got here, should I say. But um, what we're trying to do is make um, a truly regenerative food product available to everybody. So we're essentially, in boring terms, a supply chain, but in uh, perhaps more interesting terms, we are the biggest problem that we face today is climate change and all the issues that go with it. And our answer is that it doesn't have to feel so existential and depressing listening to David Attenborough or Greta. You can solve it simply by choosing a different loaf of bread, a different donut, a different pizza, and soon to be a different beer or gin and tonic as well. Fantastic. I didn't know about that piece. Fantastic. <laughs> Tell me more about that later. Tell me more about that later. And, and so the organisation's been going, or the movement, I guess, it's an organisation and a movement. It's been going for around 15 years. Your co-founder, um, what kind of challenges are you up against at the moment as a leader of that kind of organisation at that stage in its life cycle? Yes. So it's worth mentioning, we've been, so 15 years ago is when my co-founder, Andy, who has a great story, uh, is that he was, um, he was a, a successful musician and DJ in his previous life. He was one half of a band called Groove Armada. And he, um, without going into his story in detail, he started farming in France as a response to an article about modern agriculture that he read Mm-hmm. Um, and um, which said, if you don't like the system, don't depend on it. Yeah. And then he and I, over the last eight years, have gone from opening a little bakery on his farm in France to realising that if we want to make systemic change, we need to scale this thing up quickly uh, yes. with our third co-founder, uh, George Lamb, who used to be a, a, a television uh, show personality Mm -hmm. um and we i guess the biggest challenge we've got now is that food is you know it's crucial we're all eating three times a day and it's big business and Mm -hmm. we are it's big 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 business and it's big reliable supply chains and we're asking first of all businesses but also soon customers to change their habits i mean we're up against people with colossal budgets and big brands who at the moment don't feel that the things that we stand for are relevant to them mm-hmm. uh, but they will mm-hmm. and i suppose they've got the marketing budgets as well haven't they too yeah that's right but the problem is for those guys even if they're to really back us and it's happening we've recently done a deal with one of the big five supermarkets so there will Brilliant. be a wild farmed loaf up and down the country 
But the juxtaposition they struggle with is saying, if this one's better, what's that saying about everything else? And that's why I don't see this as a zero-sum opportunity. I see this as a rising tide raises all ships situation Mm -hmm. in which, um, you know, if everybody has the same abundance and growth mindset, we can feed the whole world like this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. I'm excited to see that it's going to be in the supermarkets as well. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And so, Ed, can you tell us a little bit about your journey into leadership? How did that happen? Were you always sort of going to found your own enterprise? Were you always going to be a leader? How did it yeah, happen? that's. A, I, I don't. <laughs> leader's an interesting title, but I was probably always going to do my own thing. But took a really long time to do so. Okay. In that, I worked in um, I worked in financial markets for twenty years until a couple of years ago, <laughs> and. Um, I, I worked for big companies and small. I always preferred the smaller companies. Um, and when I was quite young, I had, a, I guess, a, a management position, but in somebody else's business when I was 23 or 24. So it came to me quite early without really thinking of it with a leadership hat on as such. But I've always been the the guy in the group of friends organizing the things that we go and do. And then the more I've realized about leadership as a role, it's less about telling people uh, what to do and more about coercing them into doing them what you want to do. (laughs) In that case, I guess the die was set when I was about 12 or 13 years old. (laughs) Often the case, often the case. And so beyond that sort of characteristic that you just spoke about, are there characteristics that you think define a great leader or is it case by case, organisation by organisation? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you've done this podcast longer than me, so that there are many different types of leader. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I definitely, he, 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 nobody can be all of them. You can be the, you know, the sort of Steve Jobs type leader who's, you know, very sort of mission focused and getting things done. Uh, I'm more of a, and it goes back to that comment of a coercer. I like to be in a team. That's very much my thing. I thrive in a team environment. And um, so the type of leadership that I'm involved with, uh, you know, involves uh, trusting people and empowering people. And that's the style of leaders, many around, but that's the style of leader who, who, I, uh, who I aspire to be like. And that also means, though, usually when it's a difficult decision is when, is when it's time to, to, to you to step up, basically. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that leadership style has been formed out of any previous experience or a piece of advice that someone's given you in the past? Or yeah, that's that? a good question. I, I wouldn't say it's to do with a previous bit of advice, but working in financial markets, I met all sorts of different types of leaders, good and many bad. Mm-hmm. And I think those who were difficult to, uh, uh, so, so those who were good at owning a difficult decision, um, when it uh, often doesn't seem like the nice thing to do at the time. Those who think a little bit about the future, I think it's not the tech world bang on about this all the time. But in reality, you have to be thinking about what does your business look like in five years? Like what mm-hmm. business are we actually in, not the business today? Mm-hmm. Um, I think getting the most out of people also means, is this person someone who can progress is this someone who's going to go somewhere? I know that in Amazon, they talk about this with their bar raiser program or whatever it is. If I don't see this person moving up at least two levels in the organization, they're probably not right for the organization. Okay. So in the same vein, you have to have a pipeline of people coming through at all levels. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so in terms of the approach to leadership, if you could go back to that 23, 24-year-old, yeah. is there 
advice that you would offer to that person that's looking to follow in your footsteps from a leadership perspective? Yeah, um, yeah, and I tell this to myself every day, and it's it, it might, and I believe it, so I don't apologise for it. Actually, it's trust the process. Okay. Like this will all if, if you if you live by, and this, I'm probably going to if you live by being your true authentic self, which I know might sound a bit cheesy, but if you really do and you trust the process, it will all play out. Like mm -hmm. it, the, the, the things will play out, but we are so fixated, and I'm hundred percent guilty of this in everything I do and in my business model through to my, uh, my, uh, my, my personal life, as in you want things now, but yeah. actually uh, trusting the process that if you do your work and you broadly get things right, things will happen that are good, things that will happen are bad. And that's all part of the same thing. The good yeah. things and the bad things are part of the same thing. And as soon as you accept that and you just be, then if you're doing something that is true to who you are, then it will all be fine. And uh, you know, being 23, 24, working in financial markets 20 years ago, it was all about make as much money as quickly as possible. And that was the only way to sort of, you know, um, verify uh, how good you were or were not, or you know, uh, your position in society. But obviously, an awful lot has changed since then. And I'm managing uh, millennials and all sorts these days who have a very different set of criteria. And I think it's good to be much more holistic about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think authenticity and trust in the process is uh, is the way forward. That's the only way I got through the pandemic. I think just trust the process. It's all it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Here we are. Everything's fine. It is. It is pretty much fine. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. A long way at last. Yeah. And, uh, and so in terms of leadership, it sounds like you've got a, a clear idea of your leadership style, but I'm really interested in the type of leaders that you admire. So past or present, famous or otherwise, does anyone particularly stand out for you? I mean, uh, I make no apology whatsoever for this, but I'd be, I'm sure many people be booing me on you who are listening. <laughs> is a, um, a, a leader who I love is Jurgen Klopp, the mm -hmm. Liverpool football manager, uh -huh. who um, he, and this is broad strokes, but I'll tell you his three broad guiding uh, principles of leadership are common goal which you cannot underestimate how important that is and that that boils down to um uh, communication so you have to mm -hmm. keep telling people repeating just because it's clear in our own heads as leaders doesn't always mean everybody else in the team knows so absolutely being clear about common goal and in a football team that might sound easy or we just want to win every game but it might mean actually don't just try and do the things so you have the best performance you've got to make sure the team wins uh the second one is really important is psychological safety and psychological security. And I'll talk about that again in a minute, but it is about making sure everybody is totally aligned to the very best of abilities. And the example I'll give was that the, the, the uh, I took my, my young son, who's a Chelsea fan, to the FA Cup final, which was controversial. But it's been, if you looked at the two managers mm -hmm. during the bit, just before the penalty shootout, Klopp, within a minute and a half had been like, everybody's doing what everybody's doing. And then he was laughing and joking with them while the Chelsea manager, Thomas Tuchel, was still, he had them all in the huddle around him and he was still asking people, do you want to take one? There's a lot of pressure on that guy. He went around one, two, three, four, five. How have you done? Clearly they'd organised in advance. So it meant that everybody was feeling a bit more relaxed by the time the thing started. And I think the Liverpool players looked more relaxed going into the shootout and I felt like they were going to win. So yeah. I think that's the psychological safety. 
Absolutely. And I suppose that you identifying with Jurgen Klopp goes back to your, your leadership style as well. So. That's right. Yeah, that, exactly that. Exactly. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And so I'm always really interested in, in what CEOs, business leaders, pretty much anybody is reading. Because yes. I want to understand what you're consuming, what's shaping your thinking. Are there books or podcasts or anything that you're consuming at the minute that you particularly recommend? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could bang on about these all day, but the one in particular that, that we always come back to, my other co-founder, George, bought me for Christmas about three or four years ago, so, yeah, Let, Let My People Go Surfing by, um, I forgot his name, Eve, the guy who said at Patagonia, Eve, okay. um, and, and I didn't read it. <laughs> and, and then he said to me about six months later, have you read that book? No, I haven't. I'm getting around to it. Read it. And what's interesting is they set out to make a really good product and mm -hmm. really look after their people. Like that was the purpose of what they were doing. And we can always nick a percent or two off a KPI here or there. But if you're building a team and you're putting energy out into the world, who do you want to be? We're all gonna die one day. And that moment before we do, we'll think about what did we put in the world? And as we're building Wild Farm, we say all the time, what kind of business do we want to be? And we start with Patagonia, and then we tend to run out of um, other examples. There's quite a lot of fresh air before a bunch of small businesses. So yeah. let my people go surfing, absolutely, without any doubt. Um, every leader should read it. Great. I will stick it on the list. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And so tell us what's, what's going to be happening. You've alluded to it a little bit, but what's going to be happening over the next six, nine, 12 months for Wild Farm? For Wild Farm, um, so we, we've, it started out as a farming operation with Andy. And now what we, our plan to scale was to get many, many farms growing with us, uh, alongside us as partners, not for us. It's not a supplier relationship. It's a community that we're very proud of. And then we've been getting um, the product in, in terms of flour into many bakeries and restaurants up and down the country. And now in order to engage the consumer, we need things that a consumer can put in their mouth because they can't eat flour. That starts with bread. We've just done um, a beer collaboration with a, a, an independent brewery here called Gypsy Hill. Amazing. We're going to have a loaf of bread in uh, one of the big, I'm not allowed to say who yet, unfortunately, one of the big five supermarkets. We're talking to the big, fast, casual chains. So it's going to be a thing now where people can actually start getting involved beyond just their local bakery. So Amazing. You know, yeah, that's where we're going. Fantastic. And I noticed you've just landed in Sheffield, so I will be making a visit. In Sheffield, you've got to go. I do not apologise for the plug whatsoever to Marmaduke. <laughs> Beth Claire is amazing who runs it. They're a beautiful family of people who are, she's another great, great leader who yeah. really look after their people and they make incredible food. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the tip. But I've really enjoyed speaking with you, Ed. I've, I've, no, I've been great. Yeah. It's been a good, been a good episode. So thank you for that. I appreciate yeah. it. Okay. Thanks very much, Amy.